Various epidemics took their toll on Ojibwe life during the early years of encounter, including smallpox and other virulent diseases. A deadly virus with no cure, smallpox was feared, especially in an age when the practice of inoculation was not widespread in the geographically isolated Great Lakes region. Ojibwe people found that smallpox spread easily when groups of people gathered together, and families hastily dispersed to avoid it once it appeared, their only defense against a terrifying and fatal disease. One Lake Superior Ojibwe elder recalled her family's tragic encounter with smallpox during the 19th century. Madeline Cloud, or Nigana Binasikwe, was raised by her grandfather, Mike Baesha, who was a fur trader, and her grandmother, Ogigu. When she was a small child, her parents died in a smallpox epidemic that struck too swiftly to allow her family to escape intact. Cloud related her story in the 1930s to Marie Denemy, an Ojibwe writer for the WPA, who sketched out the following account. The first recollection of Nigana Binasikwe was that of seeing her grandmother, Ogigu, and her grandfather, Mike Baesha, crying. She wondered what it was all about, and looking across the campfire, she saw her mother, Bemosekwe, lying down covered with a blanket. She was later told that her mother had died of the smallpox. Whole families had been wiped out by this horrible plague, including Gekekus, her father, who was of full blood. The Indians feared that the disease would exterminate all of them, and in panic fled for safety. Nigana Binasikwe, with her parents and grandparents, were also in flight when the scourge overtook them. Fortunately, Madeline Cloud did not contract the disease and was left with devoted grandparents to care for her. She went on to have not only a happy childhood but a long life. Cloud attributed her survival to extended kin and community, saying she deeply loved her grandparents, who each provided for her in their own way, her grandfather by hunting and her grandmother by seasonally harvesting food. She emphasized the spirit of cooperation that existed in her childhood. It was the custom of the Indians to share with their neighbors the benefit of the hunt. They lived as one large family, sharing with each other whatever they had. The presence of Europeans and the formation of new economic relationships between indigenous people and their trading partners had already created profound social changes in places like Madeline Island and the surrounding Shawamagan area of Gichigaming by the early 19th century. Many indigenous women had married European or Euro-American men, making it possible for the political economy of the fur trade to expand and for personal alliances to produce new structures of kinship in Anishinaabewiki. The most successful unions for traders were marriages to the daughters of leading Ojibwe families. Along with the partnerships represented by the Kadot family, other marriages with prominent Ojibwe women further cemented mutually reciprocal relations. The daughter of Chief Buffalo of La Pointe, 
married trader Benjamin G. Armstrong during the 1840s, giving him entree into the Lake Superior Ojibwe communities. One early Sault Ste. Marie trader, John Johnston, came to Madeline Island in 1791 and tried to forge a marriage with Oja Geshkodewekwe, or Green Prairie Woman, the daughter of Wabojig, or White Fisher, a hereditary leader of the Caribou Dudame at Shawamagan. White Fisher was skeptical of the Union, having witnessed too many short-term alliances between traders and Ojibwe women without the give-and-take expected by the Ojibwe community. Johnston eventually did prove his steadiness to White Fisher and married Green Prairie Woman in 1792. They raised eight children after resettling at Sault Ste. Marie.